It's early. There's so much left to do, and we don't want to get too excited here, but the New Orleans Saints have clear evidence of major improvements after just one day of OTAs. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. We get Locked On Saints, your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We can always keep the conversation going one-on-one with me over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints as always i'm your host ross jackson at ross jackson nola on twitter your new orleans saints expert credential member of the media senior writer and reporter over at saints news network sports illustrated's fan nation site covering the new orleans saints you can catch me every tuesday on the locked on nfl podcast and here with you every single monday through friday and then some on locked on saints and on today's episode of locked on saints we're continuing our look at new orleans saints first day over at ota's And we're going to get to your questions first, some questions coming in from listeners who wanted to know a little bit more about the Saints OTAs, how many comeback player of the year candidates are on the roster, and so much more. So we're going to get to that to wrap up the show. Before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about the OTA lineups and looks that we saw, who was starting where, all those other things, with the caveat that, of course, it's all still early, but still gives you an idea of who like the top, what, 11 players are for each unit for now. So we'll take a look at all that. But first, I want to look at the early evidence of improvements for the New Orleans Saints just after one day of OTAs. Now, let me put a little bit of a disclaimer on this so that nobody thinks that I'm making some outrageous claim here. Um, It's early. We're talking about one practice of OTAs that media saw, one practice during rookie minicamps that media saw, and rookie minicamps is like a glorified walkthrough. Some elements of OTAs are walkthrough-ish as well. But we did get to see a good bit. I mean, the Saints let us be there, media, from stretch all the way through team drills. So we got to see a lot of different things, including like Will Lutz go 13 of 13 from anything from an extra point back to 40 plus yards away. So good things that we got to see all throughout. But the thing that I want to point out is just that even though it's early, it's clear that there are some improvements for the New Orleans Saints. Their pass catching room is much deeper. They're defensive back group is really deep. I mean, you saw just this massive group of safeties, this massive group of cornerbacks out there running around on uh, Tuesday and getting work in. And I think we'll start off where it's most important, though. The Saints have clearly made improvements at quarterback. And I was a guy or am a guy still that's very pro Jameis Winston. And I would never say anything uh, you know, to Jameis Winston's detriment that wasn't necessary, right? I've been critical when needed to be critical. I've been positive around him when I felt that it was warranted to be positive. And a lot of times we were positive around Jameis Winston, it's potential. Well, he could be this. He's got a high ceiling. He can be. He just needs. That's oftentimes the way that we speak positively when it comes about Jameis Winston. And you can highlight the spectacular play, five touchdowns in his debut as a starting quarterback against the Green Bay Packers, a, a, a massive fourth quarter comeback. I think the largest fourth quarter comeback, fourth quarter in particular come back in Saints history last year to open up the season, all of that. But I think it's clear to see that the Saints have made massive strides just with the addition 
of Derek Carr. The way that he commands the offense, his understanding, his work ethic, all of these things, none of this is to diminish Jameis Winston in any of those categories, but it's clear that Derek Carr is of a different ilk than the options that the Saints have had at quarterback since Drew Brees, and that includes Jameis, that includes Andy Dalton, that includes Taysom Hill, so on and so forth. Now, will that translate into wins? We'll have to wait and see. But are they in a better spot at this point this season than they were at this point last season? I think so. I watched even Dennis Allen kind of get into the face at one point. I don't know if it was, I couldn't hear it was so far away, but let's just say that he had a lot of things to say to a couple of the linebackers during seven on seven drills and things like that. That's something I didn't really catch Dennis Allen doing last year. Now I'm seeing all of a sudden he's kind of like, and I don't mean that he was in the face, like yelling and screaming at somebody right in their face or anything like that, but like he moved, he walked into the huddle and was like, hey, here's what, blah, 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 blah. I need you to do this, this, that, and the other, I assume is what the conversation was. He looked very much like he was cataloging things. Need you to do this. Need you to, if this happens, then you do this, blah, blah. And then so you kind of got to see him get his hands dirty a little bit. And you saw kind of didn't that same approach of Dennis Allen run through Derek Carr. And this is something that I think I highlighted when I, we were looking at and previewing the offensive needs for the Saints during the OTAs. And we wanted to see what Derek Carr's leadership style was going to be like with this team. And I think one of the things that I kind of glossed over that I wanted to revisit today quickly is the relationship between he and Dennis Allen. He and Dennis Allen have known each other for a decade. And so you would imagine that there's a pretty good indicator here that Derek Carr is meeting with Dennis Allen, speaking with Dennis Allen, meeting with Pete Carmichael, speaking with Pete Carmichael, and that he'll be part of architecting what this offensive attack is going to be moving forward. I'm sure that was the case with Jameis Winston as well, but not with 10 years of history also attached. And I think that's one of the things that makes such a big difference is that a lot of these guys are now all speaking the same language, right? Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael have worked together forever. Dennis Allen and Derek Carr have an existing relationship. Dennis Allen went out and got Joe Woods and uh, guys like Todd Grantham, who he has a lot of respect for, and Marcus Robertson, who he's worked with before, or at least has worked with Joe Woods before. There's a lot of overlap in terms of sharing conversation. Derek Carr has former teammates in guys like Jonathan Abrams over on the defensive side. Uh, on the offensive side, Brian Edwards and Foster Moreau, maybe someday Hunter Renfro as well. You can see kind of the cohesion that's there and Derek Carr not playing favorites. Not being in a situation to where he's saying, okay, Brian Edwards, who by the way was the third wide receiver in the lineup today without Michael Thomas, Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid were your outside guys. We're going to get to that a little bit more here in just a moment, but he started building trust immediately with those guys, launching up a big pass off of a play action way downfield for Chris Olave, giving him the opportunity to go up and climb the ladder over Marcus May and bring that pass down. You can see where those improvements are, and some of those improvements are cosmetic. He's loud. Derek Carr is. He's not loud, but he's boisterous, right? He commands attention, all those other things. That's a cosmetic thing. But you could see the tangibles that are a part of it as well. Him talking about walking through the halls of his home, practicing, you know, play calls to the point where his daughter knows his snap count. Him, um, you know, sending out clips of here's what receivers did with your breeze. Do that when you run this route. You do that when you run this route. I'd like to see you do this when you run that route. All of those things. Being really into the minutia of how to improve everything. It's like he's going through, and I don't know if you've ever worked on like an old style like Yamaha soundboard. Let's go back to my theater days for a moment. You hand somebody a microphone, you say, go and sound check this. And while they're sitting there and they're holding on the microphone and they're speaking to the microphone, maybe they're counting to 10, which is like the worst thing, like just talk the way you're going to talk. 
And so they're sitting there and they're talking. And while they're talking, what are you doing? You're sitting there and you're adjusting the gain so that you're adjusting the sensitivity of the microphone. Then you're going up and you're saying, okay, it sounds a little tinny. There's too much high frequency stuff in it. So I'm going to turn the high frequency down. Oh, now it feels a little bit too kind of you know, boisterous at the bottom. There's too much of those bass notes coming in. So let me turn that down a little bit and let me peak the me- the mids a little bit so you get the natural sort of mid-tones of your voice coming out. All those little things. That's what it seems like you can see Derek Carr doing. These small, minute details, attention to detail, small adjustments, all this other stuff. And that's exactly what it is that Dennis Allen does on the defensive side and what has made the New Orleans Saints defense so good for so long. And now you're seeing it translated through a guy that knows everything that there is to know about the communication style of Dennis Allen, and it's all channeling through the quarterback. And I think that relationship being something that is so strong and that has 10 years of history, along with Derek's, Derek um, Carr's skill set, dedication to the craft, all of that, it shows you immediately where the Saints have improved, along with just simply their improvements, quote unquote, on paper. Hashtag on paper to borrow from the Saints Twitter podcast, guys, who you should definitely go and check out like today. Um, Lots of great stuff in terms of the takeaways from that. So you can see those early and small indications of evidence of improvement for this New Orleans Saints team, and that's exactly where they should be right now. Now, can they continue to build on it? Because the issue is going to be if you if you skyrocket too quickly, that means you're going to plateau too early as well. And if you plateau too early, then you start getting that sort of paralysis by analysis over criticizing things, fixing things that don't need to be fixed, changing things that don't need to be changed. So that's something to kind of ward off. But if the Saints can maintain that and continue the upward trajectory of the improvements that we saw just Tuesday at one practice practice of OTAs, then if nothing else, they're in the right direction for a better season in 2023 than they had in 2022. Coming up next, let me talk to you about the lineups that the Saints put out there. Who was starting at corner? Who was starting in the slot? Who was starting on the defensive line, offensive line, all that? We're going to break all of that down position by position as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by the number one sportsbook in all of America and our official sportsbook here on the Locked On Podcast Network, FanDuel, the absolute best sportsbook that is out there for you with the absolute best app as well, by the way. You could download the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app for free. It's 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 simple. It's safe. It's super easy to use. And if you win, you can do immediate payouts, all this cool stuff. And they've got everything that you need from money lines to props. You can do same game parlays so that you can stack up a bunch of favorites, but then still get a big, uh, big kind of payout out of it and all that other stuff. It's awesome. And if you've never used FanDuel before, today's your lucky day because you can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And with that, you're going to be able to get the no sweat first bet. They call it up to $1,000. That means that your first bet, if it doesn't hit, you'll get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it doesn't hit, which means that there's no losing with your first uh, go over at FanDuel. So whether you want to make that the week one game between the Saints and the Titans or the potential game four sweep for the Miami Heat, there's a whole bunch for you to check out today over at FanDuel.com slash locked on along with that no sweat first bet. FanDuel make every moment more. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. All you everydayers out there will be live again later on today discussing more through OTAs, getting you more of the information that you need to know about the New Orleans Saints. It's new season, y'all. Lots of good stuff 
going on. We're going to break down a little bit of the performance in return of guys like Smoke Monday and DeMarco Jackson, some of the the, the, the kind of injured guys that made their way back out to the field and the guys that we didn't get an opportunity to see yet that we hope to see soon. So we're breaking all that down live on the Locked on Saints YouTube channel, and it will also be live wherever you get your podcast very, very soon after. All right, let's take a look at, uh, for today's episode, where the Saints or what the Saints starting lineups looked like. Now, we, we should clarify real quick that there were, you know, obviously missing players that were a part of this. Uh, Andrus Pete, James Hurst, as well as Ryan Ramchick, all not present on the offensive line. Cesar Ruiz present, but not participating. So there was a whole new look offensive line for the New Orleans Saints. But let's start off, of course, with quarterback, your starting quarterback, Derek Carr. Uh, the wide receivers on the outside for the first first team team drills, and obviously some of these guys shuffled out and stuff like that. But your top two wide receivers on either side were Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, with uh, Brian Edwards being the third uh, wide receiver to rotate in. Uh, you saw Jamal Williams as the starting running back. He was present. And then the offensive line went as followed, going from left tackle to right tackle, left tackle, Landon Young, right, excuse me, already messed it up, left tackle, Landon Young, left guard, Yasir Durant, who was with the team during the uh, 2022 season as well, jumped on a couple games into the year, uh, left for the the uh, birth of his his young uh, child. He's now seven months old and then made it back here and he was with the team for the rest of the season and is now back for a second year. Starting center was Eric McCoy. Good to see him out there. Calvin Throckmorton was your right guard. Remember, Nick Saldaveri, the Saints offensive lineman that they selected at the top of day three, was out with a calf injury, though Dennis Allen does expect him to be back for training camp. And then starting at right tackle with Ryan Ramchick out with Storm Norton. So the big highlight here is that a, is, is kind of the shuffle for Landon Young. Landon Young, most often backing up Ryan Ramchick over on the right side. This time we got to see him over at left guard. Um, not unusual to see Calvin Throckmorton at right uh, at right guard. Sorry, Landon Young was playing left tackle. My apologies. But then Storm Norton, who was the guy that the Saints signed this offseason and brought in, has kind of been a career right tackle. So not surprising to see him there at right tackle. Gave Landon Young the opportunity to move over to the left side, which we haven't seen him do very much. Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau were your two starting tight ends as well. And then Adam Prentice, I think, took one or yeah, a couple of snaps at fullback as well because it's fullback season. Fullback is still alive here in New Orleans. So. Not a super surprising start in terms of uh, what the offensive line looked like, what the Saints offense looked like in first team. You have to kind of imagine, okay, Michael Thomas is back. You plug Michael Thomas in. That makes Chris Olave wide receiver two on the Z flanker side. And then Rashid Shahid probably becomes your primary third option. But then a matchup-based slot distribution between guys like Rashid Shahid and potentially A.T. Perry and potentially Brian Edwards and the other guys that make the roster behind the top three wide receivers. Um, as for the offensive line, I, I think it's still pretty clear that Trevor Penning is your starting left tackle, that Andrus Pete is probably still your starting left guard, but we'll see about that over time. Uh, Eric McCoy, your starting center uh, with Cesar Ruiz and Ryan Ramchick starting over on the right side. So nothing really big in terms of the shift there. Over on the defensive side, though, there is a little bit of more kind of interesting stuff going on just simply based on... Um, you know, the new look defensive line. And you had all the, like like I mentioned in the live episode from yesterday, Cam Jordan was present. Every defensive lineman was present. There was absolutely no doubt that that was going to be the case. So your starting defensive line looked as follows. This is starting from over the left tackle, working towards the right tackle. So we're going left to right from the offensive side, 
but right to left from the uh, the def- from the defensive perspective. So uh, Carl Granderson lined up over the left tackle. Nathan Shepard was kind of your three tech pass rusher. Colin Saunders was your kind of one tech guy, and then you had um, Cam Jordan on the outside over the right tackle in his usual spot. So that was your starting defensive line. No big surprises there. I don't know that. Maybe, you know, the thing that's going to be interesting to watch is kind of the battle between what I imagine will be Nathan Shepard and eventually Brian Brzee throughout training camp to see which one of those guys gets the start. But the fact of the matter is that when you're on the New Orleans Saints defensive line, if you make the 53-man roster, you are, by all intents and purposes, a starter because you're going to get playing time one way or another. The starting two corners on the outside with Marshawn Lattimore not present. Rolante Taylor and Paul Sadebo on the outside, Bradley Roby in the slot. So we are starting to see with Paul Sadebo and Alante Taylor both present the beginnings of the cornerback two battle between the two of them to see who's going to start opposite Marshawn Lattimore. The difference though is that we did not see those players uh working in a situation to where they were rotating at CB2 opposite Marshawn Lattimore, but they were both on the field and they were both out there uh getting work in. So that that conversation is absolutely starting up as we expected. Uh, your state, your linebacker trio was Pete Werner and DeMarco uh, Jackson, but you also saw when Bradley Roby wasn't on the field in the slot, um, uh, uh, Zach Bond in as the third linebacker. So you, but you primarily saw Pete Werner and DeMarco Jackson. And from what I could tell, Pete Werner was kind of the setup guy while DeMarco Jackson was the weak side guy, but I'll see if I can get a little bit more clarity on that. And then your two starting safeties were, of course, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. No big surprises there. So that was your starting lineup. I think when you, this one's pretty simple. The, you know, the big difference is going to be when Marshawn Lattimore and DeMar- DeMario Davis show up, but you know DeMario Davis will be lining up next to Pete Werner. You know that Marshawn Lattimore is your top corner. The biggest question mark is still going to be who's the starting corner opposite him Paul Sinadibo or Alante Taylor. A couple of quick notes from second team stuff, just so that you have those. Of course, Seamus Winston was your second team quarterback. I think that the most interesting thing over the defensive side was the safety look. Jonathan Abram and Lonnie Johnson both on the field playing as the starting safeties, or, or excuse me, the safeties in the second unit with Bradley Roby as well as Troy Pride taking the cornerback spot. So it gives you an idea kind of how the hierarchy there works out. Uh, and then you saw, I want to point out Mark Evans getting left guard reps. Mark Evans was the undrafted free agent, one of the highest guaranteed money free uh, undrafted free agents of the Saints draft class. He was there at left guard, while Nick Saldaveri has told us in the past that he has been working at right guard uh, during rookie mini. So it's just an early look at distribution for you for the New Orleans Saints. Of course, some of those things will continue to change and shuffle around. The Saints will look at a bunch of different looks throughout OTAs and mandatory minis and training camp and stuff like that. So we'll just keep you up to date kind of with some of the interesting things that New Orleans might be doing. But this at least gives us a baseline to start with and a pretty clear understanding of if the starters were there, where they were, and then we can continue to update as we move along there. Coming up next, do the New Orleans Saints have any comeback player of the year candidates? They absolutely do. And where does FanDuel have them ranked? We're answering your questions as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from the live stream earlier today, either during the live stream or stuff that has come to me following the live stream. Three big questions here, two big questions, an update, and then a fun question for you. So the um, the first question comes from Nathaniel Lyon, uh, who asked, 
do the New Orleans Saints, or so basically the question that he asked was, so the Saints have two potential top five comeback player of the year candidates. I'm not sure at what point in the live stream this question popped up. I don't know if this is in reference to Smoke Monday and DeMarco Jackson, but just in case you're wondering, yes, Smoke Monday was present at OTAs. Um, I do think that there's at least one legitimate comeback player of the year candidate for the New Orleans Saints. And it is, once again, Michael Thomas. He was one of the top options along with Jameis Winston last year in the 2022 season because of the fact that the injury that he had early on in the year ended his season. He now comes back to New Orleans and is again a comeback player of the year candidate. But he has long odds, if you check over at FanDuel, plus 8500, plus 8500 when it comes to those. So that is tied with guys like Rashawn Gary, uh, Chase Young, and Rashad Penny, and Von Miller all having those odds. Uh, but there is actually somebody higher up on this list that is a New Orleans Saint. Not high up within the first, you know, top three or anything like that, but there is a cut, there are a couple of interesting names here on the FanDuel list. The first of which is Derek Carr. Derek Carr is actually listed here. Now, I don't think that Derek Carr makes the qualifications for what would become back player of the year. I think maybe you might be able to make the argument that because he was, you know, taken out the last two games of the season, that maybe coming back and having an outstanding year in 2023 could potentially warrant him some comeback player of the year conversation. But oftentimes when we talk about comeback player of the year, we're talking about players coming back from injury or who didn't play a bunch of games last season and stuff like that. And Derek Carr still played 15 games last year, but he does have better odds than Michael Thomas, plus 6,500. And here's a really interesting one. Foster Moreau was on this list. And Foster Moreau is not only on this list, but he's top 10 on this list. Foster Moreau coming in at plus 3,600, better than guys like Jonathan Taylor, Sam Darnold, of course, Trey Lance, of course, better than TJ Watt, better than Odell Beckham Jr. Foster Moreau is up there. Now, the interesting thing about that is that Foster Moreau didn't have an injury that kept him out of his, you know, out of the season last year. Unless I'm completely blanking on some huge story that I completely missed out on in 2022, but just to double check, yeah, no, he played 15 games last year. So I think that what this is mostly connected to is the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis. But could he technically win comeback player of the year coming back from a Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis? That was just two months before he was back on the field at OTAs. I don't know. But it is an interesting conversation. Like if Foster Moreau goes out there and let's just say that Foster Moreau has a thousand yard receiving season at, at the tight ends position, right? It would be wild and we'd be talking about a lot more than just uh, comeback player of the year because if Foster Moreau's got a thousand receiving yards, then Derek Carr probably had a, a, an MVP level season, if that's the case, because imagine what the receivers had. Uh, but if Foster Moreau has this insane season next year, like could he really be in that conversation for comeback player of the year? It's, he's top 10 odds, better than players who had their seasons end because of injury. So it's pretty interesting that he's on there. In case you're wondering, and it should come as no surprise, the favorite for comeback player of the year, though, is DeMar Hamlin. He's the only one in negative odds, minus 250. Now, will he? And look, here's the, here's the reality when it comes to DeMar Hamlin. Like if DeMar Hamlin comes, steps onto a football field, at any point in 2023, he's winning comeback player of the year, and rightfully so. Um, rightfully so. Argue with a wall. All right, let's go to uh, this one from Connor B, who said, uh, I know that we shouldn't be too concerned about Michael Thomas, but do you expect to see him at OTAs? Not necessarily participating, but just there watching. It's a good question. Um, if I recall correctly, and I don't know if I am, but if I recall correctly, Michael Thomas was present at OTAs last year. He wasn't participating, but he was present. 
I do think that there's value in that. And I should say too, you're absolutely right. We're not really worried about, concerned about Michael Thomas right now. He had the hardware taken out of his foot. He was out there jet skiing like two months ago and all this stuff. He's clearly doing better. Um, and we expect to see him at training camp. Dennis Allen says he's going to be good to go for training camp. He said that last year as well, that we would see him sooner rather than later. And we saw him day one out there, not only running, not only present, but he was out there running routes, catching passes, participating fully, all that other stuff. There's a good chance that that happens again this year, even though it you should expect a ramp up period for the for the receiver. Um but I do think that there is validity at least in the idea that we could see him at OTAs at least present. And and the point that I want to make here too is that there's a good chance that he's at the team facility and we just don't see him. He's just not out there during practice, but he is maybe doing the wide receiver room meetings or he is you know doing other things there or or whatever. So if we don't see him at OTAs, I don't think it's the end of the world. We'll see if he's there at mandatory mini camps and stuff like that. But it certainly would be cool, you know, for the Saints. I don't know if they care about anything being cool, but you know what I mean. Like it would be a good, it would be a positive thing for him to be present, even if not participating, and just either on looking or being a part of meetings and 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 being the part of the classroom stuff and, and all of that. I think that there's value there for him, and there's value from the young wide receivers that can learn from or learn for him from him. No, I said that right. Learn from him. Um, all right. Update for you real quick that I just think is a cool story. And I'm working on getting a little bit more detail on before I like really like dive, you know, get dive into this. But so we will revisit this, but the saints engaged in and, and entered into an exclusive marketing deal with France, which I think is such a cool thing. And this was something that like Gail Benson released a statement about that they were really excited about being able to bring and being able to do all this cool stuff. But they now have uh, exclusive international marketing rights in France. And it's a really, really cool situation. Um, Gail Benson said, we're excited uh, for our club to be awarded France as a part of the NFL Global uh, Markets Program. New Orleans and France have uh, enjoyed a unique cultural connection for centuries. And we're excited about working with the NFL and our partners in France to grow the game of American football. Now, I think that there is, and and they also get an opportunity to market their games in France and market the team in France and you know all of that other stuff. So it also creates some investment opportunities and all those other things. It, it's pretty cool. So it's a cool thing. I'm working on figuring out exactly like how the Saints are going to use this and how it impacts the team and all that. Uh, but one of the things that I have to imagine and project is that while this doesn't guarantee that there will ever be an NFL game in France, if ever there is, you have to imagine that the New Orleans Saints are number one on the list to be the team to play overseas in France. And that would be a pretty cool opportunity uh, for New Orleans and for France, because there's a lot of Saints fans in France. There's a ton of Saints fans in France. One Google search, one Twitter search uh, will absolutely show you that. And lastly, we have a question here from Bob Badeau, who asks, can we be best friends, Ross? And Bob, the answer is yes. The answer is that we're already best friends. We're all already best friends because we hang out with each other every single day and I can't say that about anyone else in my life, <laughs> except for training camp. I could say that about the other people in Saints Media, but you, you're, you are the only people, you are the only person that I spend time with every single day. So yes, we're all best friends. You are my best friend. And I appreciate you very much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to come back later on today. We're going to take a look at uh, the players that are returning from injury and what their outlooks are, as well as the players that didn't make their way back out onto the field, but what their progress is. We're going to get to all that and much more in our live episode of Locked on Saints Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate you, as always, making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, you can keep the conversation going with me one-on-one -on -one by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on 
Saints. And as always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.